With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. AG1 by Athletic Greens is the category-leading superfood product. It's your 22nd daily solution for optimal health. Forget about the multivitamins, the multiple pills or supplements, all of which are not easy on your stomach, and they take a lot of effort to organize purchase. Remember, AG1 is just a scoop of whole foods pulverized into a powder. You mix it with water, you drink it, it's eight ounces, you do it in the morning, it takes 20 seconds, and then I am good for the entire day. Simple as that. It's dairy-free, vegan, keto and paleo friendly. There's no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything. But don't take my word for it. Research it yourself on athleticgreens.com surf, and you'll see there are zero compromises. It's NSF certified for sport, which is the gold standard for professional athletes who obviously have to adhere to very strict rules regarding supplements and nutritional products. So again, it's super premium, natural, whole foods, and I assure you, it has things that you haven't even thought to include in your diet like mushroom complex, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, dairy-free probiotics. So join me as I aim for the healthiest decade of my life, the fourth decade, and you can do it at athleticgreens.com surf. That is our portal. You will support us and you will reach your optimal health and functioning. athleticgreens.com surf. Enjoy. Today's episode is with Maui surfboard shaper, Jeff Timponi. I love Jeff, I love his boards, and he was such an early proponent of my work, this podcast, so I love him even more. He was the first board builder to reach out and offer to do one of these surfboard giveaways that we do every other month, and we are going to do it again this month. So this will, I think, be the fourth um, Timponi that we're gonna be giving away. We usually give away the Timponis in April, to uh, commemorate Earth Day. We will get into that reasoning later. But this month, we're gonna be giving away the Gillespie, which is a modernized fish with kind of a narrower tail, more rocker. So that allows it to go more vert, allows it to have a tighter turning radius. And these surfboard giveaways, these are just a thank you that we do for our subscribers. It's $5 a month to subscribe. It is the foundation of our business. It's allowed us to kind of democratize the content 
allows us to operate independent from the surf industry so we don't have to worry about tiptoeing around important news stories or avoid being critical when it's important and relevant. So thank you to the subscribers. This model is actually working out well and I feel like we're able to tell stories or maybe offer a critical take that others simply don't have the freedom to do. So thank you. If you would like to get in on this giveaway, you have until November 1st. So just go to surfsplendorpodcast.com and click the subscribe tab. It's over on the left side of the homepage or you can navigate through the menu bar. You'll additionally, in addition to these surfboard giveaways, you will also get an ad-free version of the podcasts if you want them and also 20% off merch at any time. So thank you for that and good luck winning the Gillespie. And Jeff Timponi has been building surfboards for over 50 years. He's been doing it on Maui for 32. His son Nick has joined the business as a laminator among other things. But Nick got his bachelor's degree in sustainable science management. So you can imagine living on an island, the awareness of natural resources and what happens with the things that you dispose of is omnipresent. So through Nick's guidance, Timponi Surfboards has partnered with 1% for the Planet. They are also the only surfboard manufacturer in Hawaii that is gold level certified from Sustainable Surf. And they also offer all of their surfboards in what they call Maui Leaf Light construction. It's a cleaner construction that yields a more durable surfboard. I've ridden Maui Leaf Light Timponies and there is zero compromise in performance. The feel of the board in the water is very similar to your traditional feel of like a PU constructed board. But the good news is these Maui Leaf Light boards are more durable. The one that I got in 2018 shows very few heel dents or signs of wear. But more importantly to me, it still has all that zing and the pop of a new board, even though it's three years old now, almost four years old now. So Jeff will get into the lamination process in the show, but just from my estimation, the lamination is really strong enough so that the internal materials, the foam and the stringer, are absorbing less stress and they hold their rigidity for longer, which keeps that board feeling lively. Anyway. Jeff and I talk about practical sustainability. We talk about the perils of turning your passion into a career, whether living in paradise is all that it's cracked up to be, and why he's feeling more spry and optimistic at the age of 72 than he ever has before. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Jeff Timponi. By the way, it was good seeing you at the show. It was, it was really great seeing you. I, I think Scott Bass might have told me a week or two in advance that he had spoken to you or something, and that you were coming. But otherwise, I didn't. I was unaware. Yeah, no, I just, you know, I have some family. The the few remaining Timponies, there's a couple of them over there. So I needed to check in with them because they surely couldn't come to me, which was fine. It was good. How are they doing? And I got a bunch of old, old friends over there that all have kind of migrated down to that Encinitas, Cardiff, Oceanside area. Yeah. A lot of guys that I used to surf the North Shore of Oahu with in the 60s. 
it's a good place to live. I mean, it's not quite as great as Hawaii, but otherwise it's a good place. Yeah, no, no, I mean, just cruising around, there was, you know, I forget how much open surf space there is there, even though it's not great. You know, we went to, yeah, you know, we, I, my friend Paul lives just above Cardiff Reef there. So we'd go down there and sit on the bench, you know, almost every day or take a walk on the beach. Well, in between Cardiff and Seaside, there's all that open beach break. Totally. And there's basically no, nobody there. And everyone says, damn, look at that left. It's just peeling across. If you had it's some patience, you could get a ton of waves. It's totally crazy that, I mean, we really do live in um, the epicenter of the surf industry and Huntington Beach is surf city, you know, yeah. and it's the middle of summertime. There's combo swell running and I can get waves to myself all the time. And those combo swells, as I remember in Huntington, were always the best. Yeah. Because it, it makes them into those nice peeling peaks where it just rights and lefts or predominantly lefts or all rights. You know, I loved HB when I lived there. I, I always have waves to myself, but they're never or they're rarely great waves. It's always yeah. mediocre, but yeah. I get waves to myself. I'll tell you what, though, that one session that you and I surfed in Maui, I feel like that's as fun as I can have. The water's warm, the waves are long. Obviously it was small, but just yeah. gliding for 200 plus yards in warm water, yeah. warm water with channels to paddle out, there's very little effort. That's as fun as it yeah. gets. Yeah, no, that, that's why I'm here. Yeah. You know, the, the, the reward for effort thing, you know, if there's a wave out there and that's kind of where I've been surfed all summer. Okay. Is those same spots because we didn't have a very good, you know, it was windy, but we never really got any wind swells this summer. You know, we had a couple of east swells from a couple of hurricanes that blew by, but other than that, it was just, you know, and it's different every year here. Is know, sometimes we get consistent east swell, you know, it's shouldered up double overhead. Yeah. Just depending on how high, hard the wind blows. And if it blows for a week and then it usually calms down and you have two or three days of light winds and pretty good surf. All of that is fun and it gets your blood flowing, but I'm just as happy to do what we did that one day. That's as yeah. fun as it gets, you know? Well, that's, that's kind of what I'm being relegated to in my old age. Right. I do <laughs> want to is... talk. I do want to talk about your age and your uh, fitness because that's where we started our conversation. When I saw you in person was I said, you're half the man you used to be. Um, let's talk about it. I want to give listeners, I feel like it ends up being a theme of a lot of the conversations that we've had on the podcast about for young people and older people, just how to kind of surf at your peak level. And you lost a lot of weight. I'm wondering what was the reason? Was it related to surfing at all or just general? No, well, just so I could get to my feet easier was part of it. But I had, you know, last February, the kids convinced me and I've been doing it every couple of years, going for a checkup, have your blood work done, all stuff I should be doing anyway. Yeah. But, you know, my life has always been, I'm, I'm still 18. I'm impervious to everything, you know. So I went in, had my blood work done, and the doctor called, hey, you got to come up, we got to talk. And, and, and she, you know, she goes, God, you're healthy as all get out, you know, lungs, heart, liver, kidneys, everything's working great, no cholesterol, but your blood sugar is out of whack. And she goes, you're basically diabetic. I went, whoa, you know, I mean, she, and you know, she, <clears throat> great bedside manner. She goes, look, it's not the end of the world. You're not like gonna die and you can bring it under control with your diet. You know, okay. and when I think back, 
you know, I rarely eat breakfast or lunch. I uh, was famous for coming home, plowing down a dinner with two or three stiff cocktails with sweet mixers. So they go down like a soft drink. Yeah. You know, I think I just threw myself all out of whack. So I'm eating three times a day, you know, good breakfast, apple and an orange for lunch and a decent dinner early. And all of a sudden I lost 25 plus pounds. Wow. Yeah. And did that did that flick fix the blood sugar issue? I'm I have blood work in progress right now. I'm gonna find okay. out my next tests. But okay. I was evidently I was way up there. And as the doctor said, look, you don't want to be giving yourself insulin shots. I'm like, no, that's that's not me. Right. Um because so you can control it with your diet and losing some weight. So what are the benefits that you've felt since you lost the 25 pounds? <laughs> I got to buy a, I had to buy a belt to hold up my, <laughs> <laughs> usually all my clothes were tight. Now they're, they're around my knees if I'm not careful. Amazing. <laughs> great. No, the benefits, you know, I'm, I'm surfing a little easier. You know, I think one thing that happens with age and I see it amongst my friends that still surf at my age or even a little older, if you lose a, a quarter or a half a second, on that pop-up and that wave's peeling away without you. And that's what was happening to me on a consistent level. And I think I've brought that up to, you know, now I I'm batting like six or 700 now okay. on a pop-up scale. Um, so I'm getting to my feet more times than not. Um, sometimes I'll get halfway up and ride to take off on my knees and then get up in the trough and I can still catch up to the wave and, and I'm enjoying myself as far as the surfing goes. And that's basically my life right now because the business is doing so well. I'm just kind of married to the business. Yeah. Well, do you notice any more energy with the diet change and the weight loss? Oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Cause you worked hard already anyways. Yeah. And um, I was wondering how you just maintenance that workload, but certainly this is something that could help you get through. Well, you know, on our, on our phones, they, uh, there's an app on there to tell you how far you walked, how many flights of stairs you did, all that stuff. And you know, on a normal day, I'm walking two to four miles anyway and yeah. doing five or 10 flights of stairs because our glass shop is upstairs in, in the shop next door. But the, and the doctor, because you know, your body's used to that. You need to three or four times a week, take a 20 minute walk. Doesn't matter if you do it split it into two 10 minute segments or, or just one 20 minute walk. So I've been doing that, not as consistent as I should be, but, you know, and I'm still going to the gym three times a week and I get on this, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of core stuff. So, you know, my back hasn't bothered me, which has always been an issue for me since I was a little kid. I was in a car wreck and my back's always been tender. Um, so, but that knock on wood, that hasn't bothered me at all. I'm feeling pretty good about it all. Uh, when did you get into that building? Oh, Jesus. Let's see, uh, 1999. Okay. So 22, 23 years ago now? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious, we kind of touched on this last time we spoke, but I want to talk about how things have changed on Maui in that amount of time. I guess you've been there since the 80s, so you were there longer than you've been in that building. Yeah. But as it relates to your business, um, Another theme that we talk about with board builders is growing 
the opportunity to grow businesses because people sometimes experience that um, temporarily, they experience a growth. And so then they scale up and they take on all this new expense. And then they find that the business drops off and it was just a cycle they were going through, but they're still trying to maintain all this expense and that can often crush a business. Yeah. You seem to have maintained a the same size for decades on end. So I was yeah. curious how much of that was intentional versus circumstantial. I would say, I, I would honestly say it's all intentional Is because I've, I've, I've ridden that roller coaster ride of boom to bust too many times. Um, Nick and I were just talking about it the other day. You know, we've got more work than I, I have more work right now than I've had since I've been in Hawaii. That's wow. 30, 30 some years. Um, but I'm not going to expect it to rent another space in the cannery. And I, it would be like clockwork. The orders would stop coming in. And in a couple of months, I'd have all that overhead and a lease to pay. And I would rather just tell the people, hey, it's going to be four to five months till you can get a board. And I'm, I'm not kidding. 95% of the people go, oh, no worries. I'm not in right. a hurry. I got boards. You know, I just want, I just want what I want. Yeah. And I think what for me is what they're getting is hands on. I think we can sit down and talk. They can tell me what they want. And, you know, even if they order a board and it's four months down the road, I go say, we get the blank. We'll come in. We'll have another meeting. You can go over all the specifics. And I always tell them, hey, anything you want to change between now and then, just let me know. Until it's shaped and glassed, we can change anything. So I've tried to keep it easy for everybody and mostly for me. Um what do you attribute all this new interest to? Is it COVID related? Is it the fact that yeah, some of the- COVID. Yeah, yeah. Some of it is definitely COVID related because at first, you know, we were just clipping along and I always had, it'll sound like not much, but you know, 12 to say 22, 24 orders. As soon as that COVID thing, every restaurant closed on Maui and a lot of the service industries, everyone went on unemployment the crowds at Hokipa were, you, you wouldn't believe because you've served there, but before life, there'd be 80 cars on both sides of the street, outside the park before the gates open. And Dang. it's like, we just had our first swell, actually the day I left to come to the show, the same thing. But people were getting that extra money from the government. They were not only collecting unemployment, but they were getting an extra, I want to say it was 600 a month or a week or something. I think it was a week if you were on unemployment, it was 600 a week here. Yeah, so shoot, they were showing up at the shop and just, just laying down the hundreds, you know? It was yeah. and, and because I don't do that stuff, I, I didn't take any PPG money or whatever, the, you know, whatever it was, and I can't collect unemployment. I wasn't ever interested in it. But actually Nick's wife, Tara, was making more on unemployment than she made her job. Totally. So I think that was part of it. Another part is the social media. Yeah. You know, Nick has hit the nail on the head there. I got to give him all the credit for that because I'm getting old customers that I had in the 80s to, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say that's a good part of it as well because it's the, I think they pretty much cut off the unemployment payments. Oh, people, okay. still, or people are still ordering boards. I went to an order for a tandem board yesterday. Wow. That's yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. There's a guy I know, he's getting it for a surprise for his wife for Christmas. Okay. Yeah, I was going to attribute a lot of it. Maybe this, um, the COVID thing could have been a spike, but I feel like 
the seeds of the social media that Nick had been planting for years have really started to, uh, he's just gotten, yeah. And he's gotten better at it, to be honest. Yeah. Like he's doing, he's documenting the laminations, sanding, polishing stuff that I don't know, just stuff that other people aren't documenting. Everybody kind of posts the same photos over and over or the same style of photos. Nick is shooting videos and they're usually in the stories and they're much more like a tutorial, I would say, but I want to watch them. And the boards, of course, are beautiful. The work is beautiful. So being able to have that tutorial element, I think is really good. No, you know, and that's all him. And I, and he's even figured out some stuff that I still can, can kind of can't wrap my head around as far as when to post so it goes more to, to more people so i've got people in israel and i mean all over the world are sending me direct messages how do you do this or what's that and, or how do you, you know oh that was cool you know whatever it is it's great i love it it's awesome so do you see orders coming in from other places or most of them maui still no um this in the last year i've sent i've got a Almost got a, I've got several, I've sent several boards to Japan, okay, Australia, sure. plenty to the East Coast from Maine to Florida, uh, Texas, because, you know, I had, when I had the shop in California, I was probably sending eight or 900 boards a year to Texas. Oh, there, wow. the twin, see, twin fins were really big down there because the surf's kind of sloppy flop and those twinnies would generate some speed and you could, you know, do some turns and stuff. What was the guy's name? There was John Trice. Anyway, they had these shops on South Padre Island and they couldn't get enough of the damn boards. And I, you know, you know me, I mean, I back then, but I could shape five or six a day yeah. without really breaking a sweat. But now I'm I, I could, if I do two in a day, that's a big day. So that's what I was going to ask you is you're talking about how busy the business is, how busy uh, you've been. Do you have any staff? Or is it just you and Nick? Just Nick and I, yeah. Incredible. Well, you know what? Right now, I'm happy with the way it is. Okay. I'm I'm shaping, airbrushing, and polishing. Nick is laminating, sanding, and glossing. I do all the pin lining and stuff, all the kind of the old school stuff, because we're still doing, I still do resin pin lines. I don't use the Posca pen or, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep it kind of old school. All the stuff I learned at Russell's in the Brotherhood. I'm still kind of using all that to have that technology if you can yeah. call it that but i think it gives the boards a certain amount of soul and and you know we put some effort into it but i'm stoked for nick he's actually making some money good you know he's he's still got like he's got a at least one other job he helps an older gentleman a 90 year old guy who just has a big property up the street and he just can't take care of it so once or three three times a month he goes up there and puts in a day and the guy pays him the big bucks and uh, just hangs out with this guy. His name is Buddy and he's a sweet old guy, but he's by himself on this giant property and he just can't do it. So Nick helps him and he's involved with the, uh, it's called the CDC, but it's the Common Ground Collective, CGC. Okay. And it's a, they collect food and distribute it. You know, he's involved in that. And, and one of, he's on the board of directors of some other thing too. So he's, he's kind of spread out. I try to keep telling him, hey, you know, get out there and go surf because he's a hell of a surfer. He's one of my best representatives. Yeah. And I don't really have a team anymore. I've got one kid who lives in Huntington, this kid Dylan Sloan, who I take care of. And he's ripping. He's great. He was great when he was here. 
don't know if you saw the last picture of, of me in the shaping with that little kid and the little yeah. like, four four that was Dylan. So I just he, he the you know the parents split and uh, the mom just had to get away. So she took the two kids and moved to California. Well, Dylan's like sponsored by Bud Lamas's shop there on 17th Street, yeah. and he picked up Quicksilver and Black Flies and. I'm just going to run with it. You know, it's, 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 you know, a half a dozen free boards a year, but he's worth it. He's like the nice, he's a good representative. Let's just put it that way. Right. He's not, not partying or whooping it up, but, he, but then again, he's only 14 or just, <laughs> turned, 13, just turned 13. I think. Um, does Nick have any interest in, I, I guess what I'm asking is like long-term decade from now, two decades, does Nick have any interest in taking over the shaping portion of the business or what I, do you, what do you do with Tim Pony surfboards as you, Want to he, he, wants to keep, he wants to keep it going um, the, and I'm all for it. Yeah. And, but I've actually, you know, he's, he's, he's shaped 10 boards and they turned out okay. Well, you know, I helped him a little bit, but most of them, I just kind of let him do his thing because that's how I learned. Yeah. I mean, he has watched and filmed me enough. He knows the proper sequence of events as far as getting a board shape. Shaping boards by hand is about repetition. It's just doing numbers. You know, back when I was getting my feet wet in the whole thing, the root, you know, they, oh, you got to do a thousand boards, then you're a shaper. I've kind of told Nick, you know, hey, that's all good and great, but use the machine. You know, if you if you get down to it, if you could build two or three boards a week complete by yourself, you could make a living doing that. It's a lot of work, but you know, if that business took off and expanded, then you could hire someone or send your boards out to a glass shop. There, there's alternatives yeah and i think there's there's no stigma in using the machine anymore everybody really does isn't. yeah you know the only reason i do it it's it's real or i don't do it it's it's really selfish i'm cheap i hate giving <laughs> other people my money when some you know here's and you know and over on over here the guy with the shaping machine is like i think for a short board it's 85 dollars for a oh, long board it's like 140 so, well, hell, I can do that work in 45 minutes, get it to that point. Well, so I just got to finish it. Yeah, that was easy. Kept that yeah. money. Yeah. You know, and you multiply that by six or eight a week by 20 a month. That's good, a good chunk of change. Totally. So I think part of that is why we're, I mean, I'm feeling confident. Like, man, it's the first, you know, and granted, David, Nick and Tara and my daughter, um, Monique and her husband, Mike, we're all living here in the house. So they're paying the mortgage. Yeah. So now it's just like, well, I don't have that payment anymore. So, right. you know, so I, you know, I'm kind of floating. I don't want to rock any boats. You know? Totally. Um, the economics, I didn't realize it was that expensive to cut a board. I don't know if it's that expensive well, in I, Southern California. I know it's not. Okay. I know. Okay. No, I want to say it's more like 25 to 35. Got it. Yeah. There's a lot more competition here. So they got to be competitive with the pricing. Yeah. Yeah. No, and you're a lot, a kind of a captive audience if you yeah. want it done. And the guy, Mark, that's got the machine, great guy. You know, I want him to be successful. I got nothing against him, but it's just not my thing. Right, right, right. Um, you were talking about do it using the same old tech that you've been using all along. That's true in maybe your technique in certain ways, but it's not true in terms of materials. So let's talk about Maui Leaflight and um, what you guys are doing and what materials you guys are using for these boards. One thing that stuck with me that you told me last time we spoke or last time we did a podcast was when you moved to Maui in the 80s, there was a landfill and it was a giant hole in the ground. And now that's a mountain. 
it, there is, it's still true. It's probably getting bigger. Yeah, no, it, I mean, I, I, I swear to God, when we moved to it, it was a 300 foot deep hole in the ground. Now it's at least a three or 400 foot high mountain. And I can't imagine how many surfboards and sailboards, because the sailboard industry here was huge, but it was like, it's like the clothing business. You had a new, new line every spring, summer, winter, and fall, you know, I mean, it just, so there's so many boards that just, I mean, people use them for fences around here, right. sailboards, they're just lined up, there's a hundred of them used for a fence. But it's, a lot of that stuff ended up in the landfill. So our thing is to use the more, slightly more environmental friendly uh, materials as IE, and we have been able to get those anymore, which were the recycled blanks from Marco. They told us they're just not getting enough raw material to recycle with anymore, oh, which wow. is, so we're basically exclusively using the solar made blanks from uh, US and yeah. foam is great. Yeah. Uh, we're still using the uh, super sap, which is the plant, you know, 40 to 60%, depending on the grade you use plant-based epoxy, um, hemp and flax fabric, you know, all those leaf lights like yours has a layer of four ounce, layer of hemp, linen, then it's got the flax on top of that and then it's wrapped with a layer of four ounce. So that's a durable board. It's not gonna see a landfill for a long time. And it's, at some point it'll probably sort of biodegrade because just because of the materials it's made with. So that's it, part of our thought. If it was put into a landfill, fill, you're saying it would eventually biodegrade? Well, probably quicker than just a regular old polyurethane, polyester resin, solid fiberglass board. What we're trying to do is use less of those traditional materials because they're oil-based. Yeah. And from here, the cost of all the oil-based stuff keeps ratcheting up. The cost of that plant-based epoxy has actually been coming down. So I think at some point there's going to be a wash there as far as the cost of the stuff. And I do charge more for one of the leaf light boards. Just be more, a lot of it is just extra labor because they're labor intensive. You know, after I'm done shaping it, we uh, slather on some aerosol with epoxy. When that sands, when that dries, we sand it. And then we start the laminating and or painting process. So, so let's, let's talk about that one step real quick. Um, when you're shaping the blank, it's obviously EPS. It's yeah. essentially styrofoam as opposed to the polyurethane that people are used yeah. to using. So when you say you slather on aerosol before you do the lamination, what is that? It's basically, we mix up a little bit of epoxy. Aerosol is a surfboard standard thickener. It's a, just some real fine powder. Okay. You, know, you put a couple of scoops in there, you mix it up till it gets kind of like honey. You know, you get it just thick enough so you can squeegee it in. And I know you know this, but, you know, styrofoam is balls of material kind of stuck together. Polyurethane is bubbles in a solution. So in between those balls, there's plenty of area for people to, if you were just to take that and glass it, it'd drink up two or three times the amount of resin it would unless you bog it. Well, that's what we call bogging it is you know, the fill. So that's just dumb to, to keep pouring epoxy on something, but that's the way some people do it. Or they'll use uh, 
drywall, drywall compound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they slather it with that. And it's just like, ads. I mean, I've seen them done. They didn't let it dry. And then they laminate it. <laughs> and it's, it's even a worse disaster. Right. You so know, the, air, the aerosol basically seals the EPS so that you can yeah. laminate on top of that yeah. and into that. If yeah. you didn't seal it and you do just let it soak up all the epoxy resin, obviously it's going to be heavier. Does it also, I mean, does that make it more brittle too, if it's actually in the core itself? That's a good question. Um, I think part of our thing is, you know, we're trying to make them light. So we're not trying to pour a bunch of resin on it. Right. I, I would think, you know, depending on how far down that epoxy gets in there. Yeah. That would, and I don't think it would necessarily make it brittle. If anything, it would seem like it would just dummy it down. Okay. You know, the way we're building them, they're maybe a little more sensitive, a little more pingy, tingy, yeah. ting, you know, tinny. Right. Yeah, that's what, that's the sensation I get out of it. Um, I just, I've experienced where if there's too much resin, it actually, the stiffness makes it more liable to break. You know, oh, yeah. if there's, yeah, if there's a weak spot anywhere in the structure itself, that's where it'll then break because it's too, just, just too much resin. So that's where I was referencing the brittleness. Um, the 5.8 pill model that you made for me a few years ago, might've been 2007 or eight or 17 or 18, that thing's still in excellent shape. By the way, you were shredding. Thank you. No, no. <laughs> it was a, it was I, a I did something right. <laughs> it was a crappy wave, but- um, Was that Kalia? Yeah, it was. Good eye, man. Uh, oh, I, hey, I lived there for a couple of years. I, I know that. I, I, I could tell you every surf spot from the beach you know, without, seeing the, without seeing the beach. Good job. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, but yeah, that board is still, I actually busted the fin box because I ran it into the ground at one point. But other oh. than that, like on the deck, there's no heel dents or anything. And it's yeah. still super lively and fresh, still just feel, like day one. Feel. It's not like losing its spring. Not at all. Cool. Cool. So, and I've ridden other EPS and epoxy boards in the past, and I've never been a big fan because it had too much of that, I don't know, that little um, energy, like... <laughs> chatter yeah or you know it's yeah they're super sensitive you can feel everything even through your feet exactly and the lighter they are the more you feel that but also the lighter they are the sooner they lose that because everything gets deadened from that little bit of flex or this sort of that you know just you know the ocean the water's heavy so yeah. the, to throw a board around in there it it dummies them i call it dummying them down and that's the thing that we're trying to do with our boards. So they're not that super light. They're a little more durable. You know, they're like a light polyester. That's what I was getting at is um, the EPS and epoxy boards I've had in the past have that. This one did not. This had, it's like, like, like you said, like a super lightweight poly, um, but more durability even, you know? No, that's good to hear because that's, that's five years old. It is crazy. Yeah. Um, so when you're talking about, I'm wondering if that lamination that you just described, so it's four ounce hemp flax, then another four ounce. This, the one behind you is, is I want to say that, that pill you got was our original and it's probably got a six ounce, the hemp 
and need either a four or a six over that. So it's a sandwich construction, but only with the hemp linen. Got it. Now we've, we've actually, and you know, Nick has stepped it up and we're still doing that same construction. This is just an addition, the, okay. the, the flax on the deck. And that just makes them bulletproof. I was gonna say, what is the normal glassing schedule for a similar poly shortboard? You know, for a, for a light one, we would do a four bottom with a six and a four on the deck with a four ounce tail patch and the six buried under the four. So you're not wrapping it over the rail. So you're making the, you know, the impact on the deck stronger, but you're not putting all that resin and glass over the rails. Got it. Just, just for lightness. So similar in terms of strength, but without obviously epoxy resin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, there, and, but they're not as strong no matter i mean you would have to put a lot of glass on it to, to get this to maintain the strength that is on those leaf lights because of the epoxy well that and and just the amount of fabric we're putting on there for one thing but most of the poly boards yeah i mean and because we're in hawaii people aren't asking me to do single four bottom double four deck i get so little of that maybe a half a dozen a year or like for one of the for a little kid, yeah, we'll glass them really light. But because of where we're at, you know, you serve to keep, it's got a little bit of punch to it. So yeah. the one thing I hate is for guys to go out there with a new board and come back with two pieces or a buckle or, you know, the fin box is ripped out. It just doesn't make sense. It's, yeah. it's not good for the business reputation, for one thing. And then there's plenty of guys in my vicinity doing just that. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop. I'm super excited to finally be able to share Whoop with you. I started working with them and using the Whoop strap almost a year ago. And when they first reached out, I had already seen John John Florence wearing one. Um, I think that he was just starting to really get into cycling at that point. So I'd see him wearing it on his bike. I'd see him wearing it in the water while he was surfing. And when I talked to the team at Whoop, they actually explained that Although it is a wearable fitness tracker, it's actually designed around the concept of recovery. So yes, it tracks exertion, but helping understand how your body recovers actually allows you to get more out of your workouts. So we're finally launching this partnership because Whoop just released their all new Whoop 4.0 strap, and it is the most advanced fitness wearable on the market. You wear it on your wrist. It has biometric tracking that tracks skin temp, blood oxygen, and of course heart rate, and much, much more. It is smaller and smarter than previous versions. It's so sleek that it fits under your wetsuit sleeve. Of course, it's waterproof. So the strap itself doesn't actually have a screen. There's no buttons. There's no annoying notifications. It's just constantly collecting your body's data 24 seven. And then it connects to the app, which is on your phone and gives you invaluable insights into the very big picture of your overall health. These vitals are super easy to share with your physician, your coach, your trainer, your PT, whomever. Think of it as a personalized digital fitness and health coach. Our promo code is the word SURF, where you'll save 15% on your membership, and you'll also get that WHOOP 4.0 strap completely free. WHOOP.com, W-H-O-O-P, WHOOP.com. 
and then use our promo code to both support us and then of course save 15% on your membership. The code is the word SURF on whoop.com, promo code SURF. Thank you and enjoy. Realwatersports.com is also with us today for any and all of your retail surfboard purchases. In my estimation, the biggest contribution that Real has made to the retail surfboard market is their surfboard review videos. Some individual surfboard manufacturers, of course, post video explanations of their own models, but realwatersports.com is the one-stop shop for reviews on a huge range of board brands and even a range of board styles, genres, models. They are all designed to help you find the right board for your level of surfing and for the style of waves that you surf. And if the videos don't finalize and execute that decision for you, their staff will. They are pros. They've been in business for 20 years. They're also pros at shipping surfboards. They will ship you a surfboard anywhere in the world for one low flat rate, and it's also guaranteed to be blemish-free upon arrival. So realwatersports.com. They, by the way, did that surfboard giveaway last month, and that name was just announced yesterday at Rouserworks on Instagram. Congratulations to you. Real did a cool little uh, Q&A with Rouserworks on their website. I think it's under the news tab. So go check that out, realwatersports.com. Thank you. Let's talk about this board specifically and this model. Do you have a name for the model? Well, we call it the Gillespie. That's right. That's right. The Gillespie, yes. And, and where, basically, where did the name come from? Well, it's a, it was a customer who ordered the board, and we worked on it together. And he's a just you know a guy's really nice. You know, he's ah, Paul's probably in his you know, he's probably getting up around forty, but he surfs really. He's one of those guys that been here his whole life, surfed his whole life. He rips. He got on that first one. And I, I remember seeing him at Hokipa when I was still surfing on there. Man, is that one of my boards? This guy's tearing it up. And it was a fish, but he's garbing bottom turn and coming off the top and doing, doing shortboard stuff. And he was definitely going faster than, say, a regular shortboard. I think they had to do with the width and the fin configuration, which was, on his case, it was just a quad. Um, which, you know, they just, I don't know if, if, I don't know if they're actually going faster, but they feel faster. Um, so it was just like, oh man. Well, anyway, he talked a couple of his friends into getting them and they loved them. And then uh, I don't remember how I, or Nick and I were talking and we just decided, well, if someone orders one, just call it a Gillespie. I had Paul bring the original board and man, I measured, made rocker templates and just, you know, it works. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you exactly why. I mean, I know some of it is straightening up the bottom, but if you look at it, my fishes aren't aren't dead flat across the back. They've definitely got some V, and out at the tips of the swallows, there's almost shortboard rocker. So when you put it up on the rail, it's going to go rail to rail much easier than one, and and the tail's a little bit pulled in compared to a regular like a 11 inch or 12 inch fish tail. It's only eight and a half or nine or eight and a half or nine. Okay. So I've just added some curve, added some rocker out at the tips of the rail. So the rail line has a little more of an accelerated rocker, but through the middle of the board, I scoop it into a pretty good single. So paddle wise, and when you're up on it, it's hauling ass. Got it. So I've tried to make a, 
a combination um, of almost conflicting things where, you know, single concave, yeah, they're super fast, but my experience always was, but they don't change direction as easy as having that little bit of V and the double concave in the back. Like I said, that's just personal preference. And I got, I've got nothing but positive feedback from the thing. We're, we're still making them. So do you call it a fish? We call it a Gillespie. Okay. <laughs> if you had to, I know you said it's a mix of things, but if no. you had to categorize it. No, it, it, it's a fish. It's it definitely is. a okay. fish, but, it's, but I would say it's more on the, it's kind of a dummy down rocket fish. So it's pulled in on the tail. The nose is full, but it's not like a bloopy nose. You know, it, it's uh, kind of right in the middle. Yeah. Remember, remember those boards used to call hybrids? Yeah. Well, now they're called mid lengths. You know, right. it's like you could kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other. So um, there's a couple of things that are unique to this. And I don't know if they were intentional or if they even serve a design purpose. Up at the nose, it's almost scooped out. On I, the deck. On the deck, yeah. yeah. Just like looking right at the first, I don't know, foot of the board. It's almost like a concave in the deck. Is that intentional and does it serve a yeah. purpose? No, well, it's some of it is just me trying to kind of take a little bit of, because when people order the boards, I go, well, do you want a beak or do you want it to foil out? So if they're, no, nah, I'm not really into the beak because it, it changes the design. If you maintain that thickness all the way up to the nose, you kind of have to knock it down and put the beak on it. Yeah. If you want it foiled out like your last short board, well, then I, I kind of scoop it with my sure form and thin it down that way. And I don't necessarily add rocker from the bottom to do that because I'm trying to maintain a certain rocker in all the in all the Gillespie models. So some of that's just me trying to thin it down at the tip, and then some of it depends on the length of the board that fits in the blank. The six two A, which is the one I use. There's another one. What's the guy's name? Rich. RP. Rich Pavel. Yes. Who I mean, obviously it's great shaper knows what he's doing made a wonderful blank but i tend to like the 62a because i've done so many of them but some of it's just you know everyone's different and everyone likes something a little bit different so that's the when you come to me for a custom board that's the kind of stuff we discuss how do you want the four do you want this do you want to look old school do you want to look more contemporary um and there's parts of it that there's no um no changing right like the bottom contour and the rocker okay. and stuff like that that's just the way i do stuff you know so the the idea with um starting with kind of a fish as a concept is to keep the board fast and wide and also shorter in length but then you're talking about the tail being slightly narrower and the tail rocker kind of being significant at the very back of it that all allows what you saw Gillespie to do, which is kind of go vert on it, yep. make more maneuverability. Yep. So that's the idea. And I know you've seen, the, oh, I hope I can remember the guy's name. There's the guy, the Aussie guy. You see pictures of him riding a fish and he's phenomenal. Oh, um, Asher Pacey maybe? Well, he's one of them. There's, I think there's one other guy, but anyway, same thing. He's riding a fish and they're riding with big keel fins. Yeah. And, man those guys can push on that thing forever it's never going to give because of all the fin area yeah but they're doing shortboard maneuvers on their fishes you know totally vert 
big gouges, you know, just it's, I, I find it so fun to watch. So I've tried to make the board that you can do that on, that you don't have to be a, a pro. Right. You know, user friendly. This is exactly what I need. Me too. You know, yeah. I wish I could, I wish I could ride a board like that. Yeah. Occasionally I can go vert, you know, if I'm on my, on my game and if there's a section that presents itself, but more than anything, I need forgiveness, but I still yeah. want to go fast, you know? Well, yeah, you're going to wax that up and take it out, right? Yeah, totally. You'll uh, hopefully we'll, you'll get some good, some decent waves. We have good waves right now. I'm going to be surfing this weekend. Um, yeah, somebody sent me a picture of Huntington, like 11th street, just North of the apartments. Are you kidding me? I don't remember if I ever saw it like that in all the years I, I grew up surfing there. You know? That's as good as I've ever seen it. Like that's as, firing that's, left barrels all the way down the beach. Yeah. I mean, that's as good as it gets out there. That's as it, good as it gets. It really is. And Reef Hazelwood was out, um, Australian surfer, rides yeah. for Channel Islands here. So he was out doing oh, work okay. with them. Yeah. And then, of course, Brett Simpson and a lot of the local guys. But they make it look so easy. It's so <laughs> much paddling out there. Like that vast oh, what, open beach break, you're just yeah, on the, a conveyor the current, belt. Yeah, the current is brutal. Yeah. yeah you, know, you can't stop paddling. You got to get out and walk back. Yeah, and you you can find one or two in your session amidst all the paddling because honestly, the waves are kind of doing that all the way down the beach. It's yeah. just that you have to walk a mile back to your car, you know? Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it's been the conditions pumping. just look phenomenal, like super light offshore. And I heard it was Santa Ana's, but it wasn't howling. Right, exactly. It was, it was nice Santa Ana's, which you don't get that often. Most of the time, I remember it was like, "Oh, Santa Ana's are coming." It was you know, you could you could barely walk down the beach. Right. Um, for the Gillespie, what's the longest one you've done and the shortest? I think the shortest one is see, that's like, I want to say I did a 5 for, you know, um, people seem to be going a bit shorter with their boards lately, but I did also did an 8-6. Okay. For this guy, Rob, big, you know, big, he's from uh, Guam, a Guamanian guy. And he's, he's a big boy, but he surfs really good. You know, just, he just wanted something different and you need one of these, I told him. And he said, go with it. And he, I don't know if you remember looking at our Instagram, but there was a board with a, a bird on it and checkerboard rails. I don't remember. Anyway, he, he once he ordered the board, he goes, oh, can you do some special color work? I swear to God, the checkerboard rails, I just about shot myself. It was really? like, I'd never done checkerboards before. Were they sprayed? Yeah. So, okay. which means you're doing, you're taping until you're blind. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, the reason I was asking about length limit is because this, it feels like all the design elements would work well in a mid length in addition to a, a short board. Yeah, no, no, I've, I've done them in that vein. Um, just my mid lengths are a little more, more uh, pins and wing pins. Got it. You know, with the channels. And I think I've done a couple of Gillespie's with the channels in between the quads as well. Some people are just fascinated with new stuff. I, you know, something, hey, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I'm not getting too many complaints. Good. Um, the other construction detail that we need to discuss on this is the um, carbon. So down the bottom, there's strips on the bottom and then there's these, um, the fishnet as well. 
Can you explain so, okay, how much, the, what that does and how much strength it actually adds? So the, this, we'll start with the fishnet and that is a fabric that we get from Colan, Australia. So it is, it, those, it's not carbon, it's flax strips in there. Got it. I think we, it looks like we did a double stripe in yours with the yeah. uh, inlay. That yeah. is basalt and hemp. And that's so, a fabric. So no carbon. No carbon. You know, this is what we're putting in there. You know, carbon, and I, I, I don't know if this is going to be a universal statement or whatever, but carbon is generally, it's a piece of tape. It's, there's no real thickness to it. You lay it on there, you glass right over it, no problem. What we're doing in there, that stuff is like an eighth of an inch. So it's inlaid into the shaped blank and then laminated over. Probably if you ran your hand across, you'd be able to feel a little bit of an inconsistency. So do you actually bore out part of the blank yeah. to lay it in? Oh my yeah. gosh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, what we're trying to do is, is to use something that's gonna actually give it some strength and keep it from breaking in half quite so easily because I don't know if you remember at the shop, my old glass shop was taken over by the repair guy, Richard. And I see boards with the carbon strips in them. Yeah. Come in, they're buckled, they're broken. Now look, nothing there. I mean, it's literally like putting a piece of masking tape that's black on there. Thank you for saying this. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it, it's true. I mean, you, you see, and the boards look cool, but function-wise, Remember when all those first Kelly Slaters were out and they were putting the, the carbon strip down both sides of them, but it was wide. Yeah. Well, carbon itself is brittle. It's so hard that it has no, no tolerance for flex. Exactly. Well, those boards were so thin, they were busting left and right. And it was because I think the carbon accelerated the breaking process. Really? Because it, it was so stiff. What we're using is organic stuff that is, it's, it, it got a little bit of flex to it, like the whole process. Fascinating. So you said it's basalt and what's the other material? It's basalt and hemp. Basalt and hemp in the tape cloth. Yes, yes. Um, so I've always wondered that too, when you see those carbon strips on the tail, if it's not like pre-pregged, is it adding any structural integrity or because well, if the lamination like the like the cloth on this board yeah it's the weave yes i'm sure it's helping a little bit okay it's helping a little bit but okay. I, what i part of what i don't get is i know they, they do put it out on the rails and then they ignore the middle you know usually it's kind of from a couple inches off center and then it goes out to the rails and down and the concept is you know those the the foam gives way until the rail squishes down and then it just blows out. Right. It just pop. So it's, it, I'm sure it helps with that. But then in the middle of the board, it's caving in and it's splitting at the stringer. Right. Because there's only so much tolerance for stretch there. Why don't they just put it over the whole tail? Right. I mean, I, you know, that, and that's just me thinking out loud. And, and I've is, always... So is the idea with the fishnet to kind of create a structural integrity from top to bottom and left to right? Yes. for everything to kind of nest into yeah got it i mean you you basically just said it better than i could have but you're absolutely right just holding the whole thing together 
Okay. And uh, so there's no stringer. No. Got it. Okay. Because visually, it's all colored with artwork or the cloth on the deck, so I, I couldn't see if there was sure a stringer. It's it's a stringer. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Is that the dog under there? No, I kicked. I accidentally kicked the um, the charger, so I kicked the charger out of the wall. I'm at, I'm at the office, so no dog oh, okay. here, unfortunately. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so that covers it for the Gillespie. I I presumed that the name was a, a jazz reference to Dizzy Gillespie. No, it's it's an actual person, Paul Gillespie. What and, a cool and, name. No, that's what I thought. I said, well, that perfect name for a model, you know. <laughs> it really is. It Which really we, is. you know, we don't do models. We've got the pill, we've got the Gillespie, and I don't think the, you know, everything else, you know, David, we're doing every day is a different one-off handshake. You know, most of the fishes I've been to lately they have been in that vein of design, a little bit more pulled and tail, unless they want the full list style fish. Which you know we're we've got glass on wood keels going we got all kinds of stuff going on, but most of what we've been doing are, which and I think they just work better over here. You'll tell me how good it works there. I'm sure in the right conditions. In fact, there's a guy, Roberto Balderrama, who builds boards. He lives part in San Diego and part in Ensenada, but he ordered one and got it not that long ago, and he just sent me a big long tech. No, it was a direct message about. He went out at Wind and Sea, and he was just like floored at how good the board worked there. So, and I, obviously the guy can sounds like he can surf enough to know what he's feeling, but he goes, yeah. he, he could feel the extra tail rocker on the late drops where he could kind of hook into it. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, I'm psyched, man. I'm disappointed that I haven't waxed it up yet. But oh, I, yeah. oh, you've I'm, been busy. I've been busy. I'm surfing less and less than ever, sadly. Goes with, that goes with the territory, but... Even after you have the baby, keep surfing as much as you can. Okay. I'll, you just I'll make the 18 year plan. You know? I'll make Lauren listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does retirement look like for you? You know, I've got mixed feelings about retirement. I am not the guy that can putter that that's going to putter around the house and do stuff. I'm going to work as long as I can because like I said, right now, I'm having so much fun. Yeah. I'm really enjoying. I was telling Nick, I think my boards are coming out better than ever because I'm not worried about some of the aspects of the business as far as financial stuff. Um, I'm able to focus a little more, not having to do anything more upstairs. You know, before Nick was in there, it was me and my uh, girlfriend. And I was doing everything. She was just airbrushing and, and polishing. So I was building the board start to finish myself. So we were doing three or four a week on a good week. So we've been able to almost double our output, which I know helps. And I don't have to finance somebody else because I was in love. So I was always, you know, spilling over with more and more of my assets. Um, but I'm enjoying myself. I'm having fun. I mean, there's no reason for me to stop. You know, the, Nick takes care of the yards here at the house. My daughter takes care of the inside of the house and cooks. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it all. That's the way life should be. I mean, you should enjoy it more and more. You've done so much hard. In general, people work so hard through their yeah. 30s, 40s, 50s that it's like 
if you're not enjoying it that phase, then it was all pointless, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I, I think just the little bit of success that we're having, it's just re-inspiring to me. Like I said, Good. I'm really having fun. I, I, every time I turn around, someone's in there handing me money, which to me, that's, that's part of the fun. And totally. I get to people come in, order boards, I'll spend 45 minutes or an hour if they want it. Because in the long run, they're paying the bills. Yeah. So my customers feel special. I want to give them the best product I can. I think the more I understand where they're at, the better I, you know, I can put that into the boards and, you know, you know, where they serve, how they serve, where they think they're going to want to go with their surfing. Do you ever get uh, burned out with surfing? I don't want to say burned out. Sometimes I get just a little disillusioned. And I think some of it is just the fact that and this is something I was talking to with my friends when I was at the show, but we all have expectations of how we think we should still be surfing. That's the part of it that's like, man, yeah, I blew that turn completely, or I just went right on my face. I know it's it's me. It ain't the boards anymore. It's just like I know what I'm doing as far as building myself boards, or I should. But it's it, that's the part. It's just sometimes that bums me out because I'm not 40 anymore. What about, do you ever get burned out with surf, just surfing in general, not this act of surfing, but dealing with no. surfboards, living it, eating it, drinking it, breathing it all day, seven days a week? Not really, because where we're at, it's, you know, Nick and I are kind of sequestered in our own little space. You know, I may think that every once in a while, but I've always, then something comes up, oh, I got to move ahead here. Right. You know, I don't ever dwell on, I've been trying not to dwell in the negative at all. So like I said, I'm, I'm trying to, like I was telling someone this morning, it's my art. You know, this yeah. is what I do. It's not work anymore. I'm doing my art. I'm making yeah. functional toys, you know, or stuff that people go out. I put smiles on faces and it's just like, you know, you're not, I'm not batting a thousand, but I'm doing enough to have stayed in business for 50 years, you, right. know, and, you know, so I'm not going to complain. I'm glad I worry about people that take their art or their passion and try to make a living out of it. Because once you have uh, obligations, you start compromising the art. Yeah. And so I'm always curious to hear how people navigate that or if they feel like they've lost some of the passion for the art. Not yet. You know, yeah. I really feel, I, I really, like I said, I've almost been like re-energized since this whole thing. And I, and I think some of it is the fact that we've got 75 orders, kind of 75 orders since I've had my shop in California. When I could shape 30 boards a week by myself, or I'd get, I'd, you, know, I don't, you know, I had Jeff Lausch and Jeff yep. Madsen were my ghost shapers, you know, when I was doing the, even more. I had all, I had this giant Japanese account and, you know, boards, you know, Newport Surf and Sport, everyone wanted, you know, five to 10 boards a week plus the customs that were coming in. But just having that, it's just like kind of reaffirmed my tolerance for humanity, so to speak. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I, and physically, like I said, I'm, I'm, I work out, I go to the gym, I'm doing stuff that I never, I was never a gym guy. I, you know, I tell people, yeah, when, when I was young, training for surfing was drinking beer and smoking joints. You know, right. I mean, that, basically that was it. We just did it. Yeah, uh, I was lucky enough to land at the Brotherhood there where I learned all the real basic stuff from the ground up because I didn't start off as Jeff Timpone, great shaper. I was foiling fins, sanding, um, 
putting in fin boxes and, and just was in the process. And that's something I, I'm kind of still proud of. I didn't, you know, and a lot of guys nowadays, they want to start at the top. You know, there's no work in their way up through the industry. And it's hard now because especially on Maui, there's now there's three glass shops. A new one just opened up up in Haile Miley. But other than that, there's no jobs available in the business. In California, how many glass shops are there? You know, you could go in there and get a, probably get a job, at least get your foot in the door sweeping floors or doing repairs if you had the, the chutzpah to do it. You, Here you could. The other, the other thing that exists now, even if you wanted to do that, that didn't exist back when you got started was the living expense is so high that you actually yeah. can't afford to do it. You know, it's like... You got to get another job or, or two or three jobs just to make ends meet. So you'd have to do the glassing thing just as a passion project. Yeah. No, like my first few, or my first 10 or 15, I built them start to finish. There was no YouTube. Right. No, there was, you know, you couldn't walk into a glass shop and get, oh, here, can you glass this for me? Beat it, kid. Right. You know? Because they were all the old, you know, it was all the old timers. So unless you had some way to get your foot in the door, you were not welcome. Yeah. Um, same question I asked you about losing your passion potentially for surfing. Do you ever, is Hawaii all it's cracked up to be? We all fantasize about dropping everything and moving and living in Hawaii. Is it still all it's cracked up to be? Are you ever disillusioned by that? Would you have done things any differently in hindsight? In hindsight, I have thoughts about, you know, if I'd have stayed in Huntington, say, I mean, and I'm not comparing myself to anybody, but Rusty was down south, Stussy was in Laguna Canyon, and Al Merrick was in Santa Barbara. And I was already doing between 25 and 35 boards a week. With a little bit of hustle on my part, I probably could have been doing 80 or 100 boards a week. I, I said, it's like the Marlon Brando, I could have been somebody. <laughs> but I know with all of that goes this different responsibility, um, what I like to say, and I, and I had the same experience here at a much smaller level, but you know those ups and downs in business, well, if you're, say, a manufacturer, you're going to keep yourself open, and the guy down at the bottom, well, he can be replaced. Sorry, you're out. I was never good with firing people yep. and breaking hearts. Yep. It, you know, you... You see people get their dreams crushed in, in this business because they think that they're the next whoever, you know, and it doesn't always work like that. And I never, at that point in my life, when I told my wife, hey, we're, we're moving to the islands, I, I don't think I, I want to do, do something different. We'll give it 10 years. When 10 years, we sold the house in Huntington and we bought a house over here, the one we're sitting in right now. Um, I gave up trying to have that big dream. I just wanted to have the lifestyle. I mean, surfing, you know, I, I've kind of given my life to it. I don't regret it in, in a bit. There, you know, if I think back, you know, I had opportunities to do other stuff, but I didn't. They didn't either didn't show up or I didn't get them or I didn't realize I was too stoned or too dumb to, to realize what was going on. That was me. So I got absolutely no regrets at where I'm at right now. The funny thing is, all those guys you mentioned, their whole goal with earning money and growing the business 
was just so that they could end up in a property like yours on an island like yours. Well, go figure. You know. So you've been doing it. You've been sitting there for 40 years now. You've been doing it. Yeah. No, and like I said, I've never had any grand plan for Timponi or anything. Stuff, I was blessed. Stuff just kind of presented itself. You know who yeah. Greg Marks is, right? Of course. Yeah, Waterman's Guild. Yeah, we were. He lived in La Mirada with me. And I want to say I was sitting down at Beach Boulevard, you know, Highway 39, we called it back then. It still I was is, about yeah. 14, hitchhiking with my longboard. I didn't know him. We went to different schools. His mom, pull over, pick this guy up. It's another surfer. We met way back when we remained surf, you know, surf buddies through high school. I ran off to cook the islands in 68. Well, he got in, he was glassing for Vardaman. And I know he has, you know, he has kept, he got good really quick and he kept getting offered jobs and he worked his way up and finally ended up with his own shop. But when I moved back from Hawaii in 70, late 71, I just had rolled into town and he, one time my phone rings at my, I knew it was no cell phones. So he knew my mom's phone number. Hey, the sander just got arrested and hauled off to jail. Do you want a job? Be here first thing in the morning. That's how stuff happened. I said, yeah, I'm not working. What am I doing? It's time, it's time to plant your feet and get going. You know, and I, I got a job sanding. I mean, literally, I sanded 20 plus boards a day. Wow. At a place called, it was up in Santa Ana on Hathaway. Surf, surf class. Sterling, Sterling, Sterling Santley was the guy's name who owned it. And him and Jeff Prindle of Prindle Cats. They were building the Prindle cap molds in there because I had boat building experience. I got involved with that. Well, it was more seasonal then. So I sanded all summer. I mean, I must have sanded a thousand damn boards. And then they go, well, we want you, to, we, we don't have the work to keep you around, but we want to keep you. So once you go to work down at the, at the retail store on Coast Highway, right across from the north side. And you probably remember there was a shop called Wind and Sea. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, across the street on Coast Highway was called um, the Sixth Street Marina. They okay. sold Pure Joy surfboards and Prindle cats. They put me to work in there Well, there was a lop. So I lived there with my dog, surfed the north side every morning in the wintertime, was having a blast. And one day Russell pulled up. Sandra got arrested going into Australia with a million hits of acid. We oh need a Sander. Yeah, this was 72. We need a sander. You want the job? And I'm like, oh, brotherhood, are you kidding me? That's like the dream job. So I was, next day I was in there and Russ, because I had worked for Russell for like three days and he fired me back when I was just, just out of high school, right before I, I moved to Hawaii, doing, doing repairs. You don't know what you're doing, get the hell out of here. Right. But he knew I, after the job at Surf Last, he knew I knew how to sand. And so I got thrown right into sand and, you know, we were doing 40 a week, five days a week at the brotherhood. So I sanded eight boards a day, you know, and I was making great money. Yeah. I mean, great money. They paying sanded. you per board? Huh? Were they paying you per board? Yeah, it was piecework. Yeah. I, I want to say I got like eight bucks to sand, a couple bucks to drop a fin box, and a couple bucks to foil and hand fit the box, the fin to the fin box. Excuse there was, me. There was no, those, no, no router thing you ran it through. It was, I'd sit right. there with a grinder crazy but i was you know i was probably making six eight hundred bucks a week yeah and then when 
you know, Bruce Jones went and opened Bruce Jones surfboards. I want to say that was 73 or 74. I, I, you know, he was only, I was only there maybe a year or two before Bruce opened Bruce Jones. That's when they hired Stussy. And I had met Sean over at the glass shop where he was bringing boards um, at surf glass. Anyway, so I helped get him the job there because I obviously wasn't ready to step into the shoes of a, of a Bruce Jones. Yeah. And then it was a couple of years later, O'Day left to go work for the phone company because his wife had convinced him there's no retirement in surfboards. Well, that's still true. Yeah. There is no retirement from surfboards. And that got me kicked up into the, into the, you know, the shaping thing. Bruce Jones is a name that I feel like people don't reference often enough. And I'm wondering outside of California or Southern California, how many people actually know him because he's highly influential in Southern California, tons, yeah. tons of connectivity into the surf oh, world so and influence. No, you know, Bruce, when I moved to Hawaii, I used to come back every three or four months and he, you know, he was a this guy had a huge heart. He'd let me, cause in a shop up there on Costa Mesa on 19th and something, he had two shaping rooms. It was always, Tim Pony, come on up. I, I need the company. I'm going nuts up here by myself, just shaping every day. I go and shape a hundred boards in 10 days or two weeks. And we had an absolute blast. You know, we were just, cause we had that brotherhood connection yeah. and he, when he had too much to do, and I just opened Timponi's, sometimes I, you know, I'd call him up. Hey, you got a couple? He goes, Yeah, here, come up, grab five lines, just to put nose and tail blocks on them, because that's the kind of stuff that I learned how to do there. A lot of his boards, if you go back and look, they had nose and tail blocks, wood and fiberglass. I could do that stuff, so he knew I knew what I was doing at some level. So he was always super open about giving me work and making sure I was successful. Yeah. Somebody yeah. told me just this weekend at the boardroom show that he was the first surfboard manufacturer uh, to sell via e-commerce on the website too. That's a possibility. He was sharp. Yeah. He was a smart guy. Smart yeah. guy. Super you know, cool. and, uh, but I do remember he was actually shaping for Sonny Vardaman like when I was in high school. And I guess it was small enough. To, I didn't realize till after the fact. But I went into Vardaman's because that's who I was getting my boards from in high school. And I ordered, a, I had like a nine, six, I, I need a, I need like a real nose rider. I need a 10 footer. Well, it was 130 pounds. You know, it was a skinny little kid. So he made this board for me when I, and I wanted like the Naweeva concave in the nose. Mm -hmm. It was in the tail when I got the board. It had a concave tail. <laughs> and it was oh, right nice. after that, I started making my own boards and it had nothing to do with Bruce. It was just, Right at that point, boards started, you know, just being chopped down. Yeah. And I want to say the next board I bought was like an 8.8 from Russell. And then I shaped that down into a 7.10, shaped that down into a 7.2, tied a blank around it when I moved over here. And, uh, you know. Do you follow his son on Instagram? Jones? Brock. Yeah, Brock what's Jones. It? Yeah. What's his, what is his? Is this, but does he call himself Jones Boards? No, or that's somebody else. He's got a, but he's got a like a sword logo. I don't think so. I've never seen his logo. Okay, I'll send it to you when we get off the phone. Please. Uh, yeah, he's still shaping and he's shaping beautiful boards. His work. Yeah, no, I can imagine. 
right? Because I'm sure Bruce mentored him as much as he could. Totally. totally. Um, I want to end the conversation coming back to the uh, concept of health and your weight loss. Um, you mentioned throwing back two or three cocktails a night with your dinner. Have you completely cut that out? And how hard was it if you have to cut out alcohol or reduce you alcohol know, consumption? I have pretty much quit drinking. I have had maybe since I got this whole thing thrown in my face, which would have been March, maybe had a half a dozen shots. Just, I don't even know why, because, but I, I'm basically not drinking. Just, it's just, I, I always try to tell myself, just like I did with pot and all the rest of it, is just like, you know what? I did my share and about 10 other people's and it's time to change, it's time for a change. So it wasn't that difficult. And I think because I saw the almost instantaneous results, you know, for me, when I drank, I had these jowls. You know, within a week, they were shrinking. Everyone, What's, what are you doing different? You, you, you're losing weight. And I don't know, the scale's not telling me anything, but I think just the puffiness of the alcohol. And I never realized it. You know, like I said, I was doing the same thing, I want to say 50 years, but probably close to it. I never really drank to drunkenness. I would drink and fall asleep in my my recliner, you know, and then Nick or Monique would wake me up. Dad, it's 11 o'clock. Go to bed. TV's still on. <laughs> yeah. So change is always good. Yeah. You know, and I always remember my mom and dad both changed careers in their 60s. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, they owned five Italian restaurants in the Southern California area. Downey, La Mirada, uh, Anaheim, Los Alamitos. Um but they sold all the restaurants and my dad started delivering pasta for a, a ravioli company driving around in a truck and he loved it. And my mom went into real estate. Wow. And he killed it. You know, she sold real estate till she was like 86. She wow. used to tell me, I, I can't tell them how old I am in the office because they'll fire me immediately. They're probably afraid I'm going to go someplace, fall down and break my neck. You know? <laughs> um, so I've always kind of kept that in the back of my mind. It's never too late for a change. And, you know, I, I don't see myself changing careers at this point. Yeah. And another thing I said is I have limited mental skills. I probably would probably say just fizzle out if I tried to do some major change. I know what I'm doing in this one. You know, business-wise, it's still a learning experience, but I don't think I'd change too much right now. Well, keep doing what you're doing because it's working for you. And I don't know if it's um, cutting out the alcohol or just the weight loss itself, but I feel like you're, you've got a, your spirit is energized. Like you've, you know, it really is. Yeah. Like you are just more vibrant than you have been in previous times that I've talked to you. So keep it up. I'm glad I'm exuding that because I definitely feel lighter, um, lighter in the loafer, so to speak. <laughs> no, I don't know um, if that's what that means. Um, no, I, I know it's not. Um, but you know, I, the, I feel, the, you know, knock on wood, I, I feel pretty good for 72 years old. I'm doing all right. You know? It blew my mind when you told me you were 72. I was like, what? Yeah, no, I know. I, I sometimes people go, no, you're like 59 or 65 or something you know that the calendar doesn't lie he was born in 1949 and sometimes i was born in the 40s they kind of go holy shit are you gonna, yeah. are you gonna keel over right now <laughs> no keep it up 
keep doing what you're doing. And I'm going to actually implement some of those changes as well. You know, the diet thing, the last time I had a weight loss was right before Barbie passed away. And I got down to about 190 and I'll never forget how good I felt. But the whole process of her going through what she went through, I started eating and drinking and staying up late and yeah. just, you know, I blew back up to like 240, yeah. you know, like terrible. And then, and then with that, then all of a sudden I was surfing like crap, which still means a lot to me to make a good presentation out in the water. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of my ego things. It's like, I, I know I can still do this. And once I'm on my feet, it ain't pretty. And I'm not doing anything major, but it just feels good to stand. There. And I'm the guy that'll go for length of ride now. You know, if I'm in the white water going straight off, I'm still riding this thing till it craps out. Yeah. So thank you, David. Thank you. You're so welcome. Much. No, it's inspirational. And um, I have been blessed with good genetics and I've never really had to hit the gym too often or worry about my diet too much. But I also have access, like my social life is busy. So I have access to alcohol and fine dining all of the time. Yeah. And, and I just get sloppy, you know? And so I've let myself go more than I ever have before, but we have a kid on the way and that starts making you rethink your health. Oh, yeah, no, totally. And you want to be around for their kids. Exactly. Your, you know, I and mean, that's literally what's happened here. All of a sudden, my daughter, so she's got two grandkids, you know, six year old and 12 year old. Yeah. Well, so obviously, Lauren being pregnant, she's not drinking. So I've cut my drinking way back. And then she's still going to the gym two and three days a week with eight with an eight month, you know, pregnant belly. And so yeah. three or four months ago, I'm sitting on the sofa in the morning eating a pastry and she's walking out the door to the gym with a belly and she just kind of looked at me and I was like, I got, I fully understood what she was looking at me saying, which was, what are you doing here sitting on the sofa? Like get, get your butt in gear. Yeah. And so I've been joining her at the gym. Yeah. Probably for five months or so. And um, yeah. And, and it's, I feel fantastic. I feel better. I feel inspired. I feel motivated, but you know, that's why I'm always asking these questions, you know? Yeah, no, the gym is something, you know, I never went to the gym. Me neither. But to be perfectly honest, I look forward to it. Me too. I'm having fun in there. All those yoga pants, butts everywhere. <laughs> I mean, but I just, I, I look forward to it. You yeah. know, it's just something I never thought I could incorporate. I always, oh, I don't have time. I don't have, well, you make time. Yeah. It's only, you know, the gym is 10 minutes from the shop. I go for an hour, hour and 15 minutes, work up a good sweat, feel, you know, I can feel myself, you know, I've got some little abductor muscle in my inside of my leg. I'm trying to figure out because it's, it's on my natural hip. The, the hip replacement side is freaking perfect. Hmm. I just don't want to have another hip replacement. Yeah. Not that the first one was that devastating. I mean, I, I served seven weeks after the surgery. Wow. It was yeah, no, it was crazy. The way the technology's gotten that much better. Hope you don't have to deal with any of that stuff. But going to the gym will definitely keep you out, uh, you know, away from all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm inspired. Thank you, David. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. I'm gonna wax this thing up tomorrow morning, and I'll send you photos and let you know how things go. Oh, please do. I'd love to hear. It. As all, take care, pal. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, aloha. Bye. Haven't been to well myself A lot of time on the shelf Saying that I don't need help when I do 
wish I could see you again sometime. But I, I better pack up. Thank you, Jeff Timponi. I love the Maui Leaf Light construction. I've only actually been able to ride this Gillespie once after Jeff and I spoke, and then the oil spill in Huntington Beach happened, so I've been relegated to dry land for now. But the board feels amazing. It's full of spark, does precisely what Jeff said, kind of easy stability in paddling, but then sensitivity off the tail. So I'm eager for round two. I've got photos of it on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And of course, you can win it by setting up a nominal $5 monthly subscription on our website. You likely will not notice that $5 missing from your life, but it really is one important brick in the foundation of our ongoing work. Helps cover our archiving, monthly expenses, uh, it allows us just to run the business. So thank you for your consideration. Um, we've got lots coming up in these next couple of months as we kind of look towards the final quarter and the end of the year. I dropped an episode of Spit with Scott Bass. He is recovered from the boardroom show. His voice has returned, so he is strong. And I've got an episode of The Grit coming tomorrow on Friday. So we are in full swing fully powered, of course, by Athletic Greens and tracking everything with Whoop. So I hope that you're well. I hope that you are getting waves wherever you are in the world. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor. I'll be back next week with an all new episode. And until then, I encourage you to get back into the ocean, share some waves, and of course, shred on. And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.